Welcome, welcome, everybody. Welcome. This is Sharon Smith, and this is Iambic Poetry Podcast. And I have a guest here that has been surpassed in topping off a lot of things that are new to me. So I'd like to give you Marisa Lynn. How you doing? Hi, Sharon. Great to be here. <laughs> nice. So, so uh welcome to my um welcome to my show and also um thank you for doing the um doing the present uh doing my show on socially distanced um verse on in zoom it was a uh, you did with david um wrote um Renheim, wrote Heiden, yes <laughs> and was that it was a great experience thank you oh. for, for inviting me no problem, no problem. But I, I wanted to put you on. I want you to bring you on on the show because um, not only because your poems were very were very in depth and very uh, profound, but also I just wanted to, I wanted to understand and get to know more about your poetic journey and how everything was. So let's start there. How is um, how did you get into poetry? Yeah, so I would say I am a fairly new poet and that I have only been writing poetry seriously for the last few years though. Um, I was introduced to poetry in my last quarter at Stanford University um, when I took my first creative writing class and that was a creative nonfiction class where the, the professor would give us readings and then we would have like a final project you know and one of the readings that she gave was um, a lyric essay. It was, I believe, the glass essay by Ann Carson. And I remember reading it and I was like, oh my gosh, like, what is this? <laughs> like, this is not, you know, your typical like prose format. Um, and something just kind of clicked for me. Um, just seeing kind of like the, the poetic lines and just there was kind of a, a beauty that I really appreciated and a simplicity that I resonated with. And so I was like, can I, can I do this? Like for my final project, I was like, is this possible? Is this okay? Um, and being the wonderful teacher that she was, she was like, yeah, go for it. And so that um, I would say was my first experience kind of dipping my toes into poetry and kind of creating my own original work. Um, and so I've been writing ever since. Um, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been kind of challenging, just kind of navigating, you know, the post graduation transitions and trying to like, um, balancing, uh, you know, first like full-time job and then also trying to like keep up, keep up this like creative practice. Um, but it's also been really fruitful for me in terms of, um, self-discovery and sort of recovering my voice um, as an Asian American woman, as an Asian American um, poet. And so it's, it's been quite a journey. Speaking of that, so as an, so, so are, you're, you're trying, you have Chinese descent, right? Yes. Okay. Just, just want to make. I don't want to. I want to always clarify that because I just like just like um, uh, people that say Latin American. You just kind of go, yeah, it's Latin American, Latin American, Latin. He's like, you don't even know where he's from. <laughs> just keep saying Latin American. He's Latin American, Latin American. So Asia, I, even though I have a, several friends that are Asian American and stuff, 
I don't know why I just said that. that was cliche. Um, <laughs> I always want to make sure I know what <laughs> which one I'm going to. Um, so being a, being as a Chinese descent and stuff, how does that? How does your you just said right there? You're rediscover, rediscovering your voice. How does how how do you? What do you mean? Why can you elaborate on that more? Yeah. So I. Um, was born in China, and then I moved to the United States um, with my parents when I was less than a year old, and we moved to a town called Rochester, Minnesota, and that's where I grew up most of my my life until Mm. college. Um, And so being an immigrant and also a daughter of immigrants, um, while navigating, you know, this sort of cultural context that you know, you don't grow up being fluent and your parents aren't fluent and you don't really have a model of how um, to articulate your voice and how to kind of like navigate these, you know, subtle social dynamics. And so I grew up feeling in many ways silenced, um, either from external, you know, factors or um, just internally within myself as well, because I didn't have a model of how to um, give voice to different parts of myself or what I was feeling. Um, and yeah, so there were, you know, it, it, it was difficult to kind of express um, who I was. And it was when I was um, off at college and um you know, being in California, at least that in the Bay Area, it's a lot more diverse um, and being able to um, see a lot more diversity of Asian American, you know, experiences, um, a lot of like Asian Americans doing a lot of different things that I didn't know was even possible. Um, Growing up in Minnesota, I was like, whoa, this is cool. Like I resonate with this. I resonate with like the creatives. I resonate um, with people who aren't just interested in you know the typical like going off to med school or you know going into engineering and um you know those typical professions that uh, a lot of Asian parents <laughs> want their children to go into um and so poetry has really been um an avenue for me to um yeah to articulate what has not been articulated for so long being that you're from um, uh, Minnesota, I know there's a there's a large Hmong community up there. So did you did you have any dealings with them, or was it more just just all just all white people in your community? Um, I wasn't too involved um, with the Hmong community, um, but we did growing up. Um, there was sort of a um, a smaller community of other Asian Americans. And um, there's a book um, about um, Beverly, I believe Beverly Tatum, where the, the book title is, you know, why are all the black kids sitting together in the cafeteria? And <laughs> I think could be said of um, why are all the Asian kids sitting together in the cafeteria? Um, and the answer is racism. Um, and, um, yeah, but we, we did have, um, you know, that tight knit cluster of other Asian Americans and we were able to find, um, some semblance of solidarity in that as well. And it's interesting that you do ask me about my Chinese descent because, 
um, I recently learned that I am not 100% Han Chinese, okay. which is something that I grew up believing. And I just told people like, oh, I'm just, you know, 100% Chinese when they would ask me. Um, my mother recently took a DNA test and she found out that almost 40% of her genes are Southeast Asian. Ooh. And then there's also some Korean and possibly Filipino blood in her as well. And so that adds another layer too, you know, to my identity, just something introducing something I just never really um, considered a part of myself. Um, mm -hmm. And also just interesting, like dynamics of privilege and um, also like histories of just the intermixing and um, the cultures so yeah, it's you know it's a kind of an ongoing journey of identity and discovery. Yeah. So so when did you move to California? I moved in 2014. Oh, okay. When I started my undergrad degree. Yes. Oh, so pretty not pretty recent, but at least seven years back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, not bad. Uh, and you haven't been back. Yeah. After you moved here, you're like, oh snap! Look at this. This is this is new. I can tell you that. <laughs> kind of kind of got you kind of got kind of a love for it and stuff, and that's good. That's good. But so um, so as a so one thing I always noticed about uh, poets who people who start into poetry, they always have an interest in somewhere if it's either spoken or, or, or the, po or just writing poems and just making books and stuff. Uh, they always, they always have, they always get kind of, kind of caught up in the moment of, do I want to be just writing my poetry? Just like, just like I do if I wrote a book, um, sell my book or get, get my poems on a, on a sheet of paper or do I want to be out there um, reciting them, telling people, you know, giving them, find my voices and stuff and that. Uh, what made you want, did, did you want to go into writing poetry and then people started asking you to do um, po um, poetry recitals or did you want to do spoken word first and then uh, along the way, what was your, what was your catch-all? What, what, what made you want to go more and more into it? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. I am definitely more of a written poet. Okay. That's um, how I got into poetry. And I think because I wasn't as natural of a speaker growing up, um, I was definitely more of a writer. I would like be more comfortable like writing down how I felt versus like saying verbally. And so um, writing uh, poetry feels a little bit more natural to me than presenting it. Um, but I did do a lot of uh, classical music performance growing up by okay. piano and I would do competitions and um, recitals and such. And so in that aspect, I am familiar with the performance um of art and so i think you know some of that definitely transfers into how i read my poetry in terms of i think about the shape of a line i think about how um the words sort of build up um 
on each other to create like a climax in a sentence or a climax in in a stanza or or throughout the poem. And I think about um, music also, you know, taught me about repetition, um, about how do you compose an entire piece, how it all comes together, how you resolve um, a climax. And so it taught me how to do, um, it taught me about a lot of different things. And um, it definitely taught me how to present in front of other people and how to connect with the audience through the art. Okay. Um, so I, as I was talking to David, I was talking to David and he, Dave Rosheim, and he basically pointed out about the, um, the Squaw Valley Writers um, Conference that went down and that y'all, that you and Elder, um, Elder Gee and all met there and stuff. Um, I mean, I asked him and it was kind of curious his, his answers and stuff about how it was very rigorous first time he'd been there and, you know, you're constantly, you're, you're writing, 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 and everyone is just, you know, they fill a concept up and then it's like, okay, let's write about it and then keep going. How was your experience with this? Has this been your first time going to one or have you been going to periodically a lot? Yeah, it was my first poetry workshop okay. that I had ever attended. And man, it was intense. <laughs> it was like, I did not know what to expect. I was like, oh, we're going to all come together, you know, read some poetry, write some poetry. Um, so I really didn't know what I was getting into. Um, but it was a really fantastic experience. Um, it was intense in that the quality of writing was um, obviously very high. And we were expected to write a first draft of a poem each day of the week. Um, and I think I wrote some of my best poems I have written so far because of the, the um, culture and the community aspect of it, because it is such high, um, there is such high quality of writing, but there is also a, a welcoming and affirming culture of um, identifying what is working in the poem, what you appreciate about different people's poems and kind of applauding the different risks and like experimentation um that people take so it was a really great experience and with that experience did you also c come up with finding out more about the way you you write or just more about uh what other people write and kind of collaborate with them and did you did you I'm based on what I'm saying did you see more of what other, um did more people give you enough substance or a content for you to go, oh, I, I should try if they, they did, or I should try if they did. did. You know, did you get a, a good experience of a whole bunch of other writing material for you to, you know, you know, buffet upon, or as they call it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I think one of the um, positive things about being in community with other poets is that you do get exposed to so many different voices and styles. <clears throat> excuse me Sorry. and techniques and it definitely did um, um, influence the way that I write in terms of being open to you know different forms of poetry different you know try out trying out something cool that I saw someone else do in their poem um, or even in terms of the content like 
I remember being in a session with Elder Gideon and we didn't know each other at all. Back then we were just, you know, um, participants in the session. And I wrote a poem that took a section of um, biblical scripture and I did sort of like a contrapuntal poem where one side was like the passage and then the other side was like, I kind of like finished off the line um, in my own voice. And I took this to the session and like Gideon, it was like, you know, you know, Gideon's work, it's totally up his alley. And he was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> you know? And like, he was like, I like, I love what you're doing. Like I do this sort of thing too. And so just creating those like um, connections over just common um, sort of themes or like uh, avenues that we're going down together. And I was really encouraged because this was one of the first times I had did this sort of thing. Um, and just seeing that there were other people doing similar things and we could, you know, kind of cross pollinate and uh, collaborate, you know, throw ideas out and seeing where they land. Um, yeah. That was a great opportunity for that. Hmm. That's very, that's pretty deep. And with, with that being, with that going on and stuff, would you say that you rather go, you go to another workshop again, or you're kind of feeling like I'll, I'll, I'll take what I got and I'll keep going what I got with this. Uh, you feeling more of going for another workshop like that or no? I think so. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm definitely ready for more. Uh, I think in my poet journey, I've learned that community is really important um, in supporting you and, you know, uh, providing accountability into your practice and having people check in and also, you know, like I said, being exposed to different sort of ideas mm -hmm. uh, and styles. And so I think workshops are a great way to do that. Okay. Uh, so being, so do you, do you, um, one thing, do you have a poem already? Do you have a poem ready to go or no? I do. Okay. Okay. Well, why are you looking at? I was, was going to say. So, what I what I want to ask you is also the fact that um, I remember I remember most of your I remember some of your poems and stuff, but I also remember the fact that a lot of your poems had they had a lot of depth to it. They had a lot of um, not only did it you know, there was no surface like okay this is this is who I am this is what I'll be this is where I go this it was more of this is what I am. And these are the layers that you have to go to get to where I'm at. You know, it's more, it more it was, you got more into the meat of not only what you are or what you are or what you represent, but also what that, you know, pertains to you looking from the outside in and looking there and having the outside look at you. Do you, does that always come to your spectrum or do you take, or do you basically kind of just go what you know and then just try to see how people take it. Cause I, I know a lot of people take, they take a lot of poems differently. They are, either they say them like my, myself, I take a lot of poems where I just, I'll say a narrative about something and some people will think of, think of it one way. And then other people think of it another mm -hmm. way. And I'm just like, okay, that was a weird where you thought of that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah really, uh, I think that uh, that happens a lot of times to, mm -hmm poems um yeah there it's kind of a balance right between 
what you're trying to say, what you want the reader to get out of it, mm-hmm. and what is open for their interpretation and what um, they can get out of it themselves. You know, it's like the poem creates a space. This is how I envision it, a space uh, where people can meet you as the poet and also where they can meet themselves. Um, and yeah, I think honestly, I'm still figuring that out. Like what, like how much I want to get across, like, this is what I'm saying. This is my message and how much I'm leaving open to the reader for them to kind of create their own experience and meet themselves too. I like that. I like that. And how, how, how has your social, social media life been so far with all the, with reading and all the writing and stuff that you've done? Does any, any kind of change into it or is it just mostly like, okay, yeah, I, I don't really deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, I must admit I'm pretty late to the social media game. Certainly oh, okay. um, got an Instagram this year. So I'm new to it, um, but I am posting on that. So if anyone wants to follow me, my handle is at mar underscore isa underscore risa. I'll spell that out. It's at m-a-r underscore i-s-a underscore r-i-s-a. <laughs> I should have told you. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Most definitely. But why don't we start with your poem and stuff and and let people hear what they what to expect again from you. This is to Marisa. Let's hear her poem. Marisa, take it away. The Lynn family goes to Mexico. In the end. We took the same taxi back, even though my mother called the driver a cheat and she was embarrassed, no doubt, by hysterics of her own doing. By her own doing, we returned back. I remember it was hot and I was embarrassed. Plus this was Mexico and weren't we supposed to have fun? We were supposed to have fun, said the brochures littering the beds like driftwood in our hotel room said my dad's incessant catastrophizing and his persistent mantras like bring your spare glasses so I brought my spare glasses but forgot the sunscreen and under the beastly rays I felt regret seeping into my darkening skin it felt as if we were the only Asian family in this country as we drowned in a sea of Spanish Drowning in a sea of Spanish, I admit I had marveled at the number of Mexicans visiting their own country, only to recall how in my own, whites would marvel at my possession of their language, tickled by the thought of me devoting 20-some years of my life to render myself comprehensible. How to render my mother comprehensible was a puzzle neither my father, brother, nor I could crack. Something about motherhood womanhood and perpetual foreignness altogether made perpetual forgiveness the only solution. But in that moment, I could not bring myself to forgive her. So there we were, two others, othering one another in a country which our country had othered. My mother scolding the driver who barely spoke English, 
Not unlike her when she arrived in 95, my tongue back then unmarked, innocent of colonial transgression. I was innocent, I told myself. But still, I offered an apology because if I was innocent, he was wronged. And to give myself for another's transgression was what I perceived to be the natural demand of my life. Of my life, I understood that much of it had been contrived without my knowledge, much less with my consent, all up to this moment, locked between the doors of an old taxi cab, all of us locked between the doors of east and west, north and south. Somehow the doors seemed to confine us, and it was then that I knew that all I needed to do was to find out how to open them. Wow. Oh, that that's a trip. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but wow, the lens go to Mexico. I have to keep that in mind now. <laughs> it's like Lash Lampoon. <laughs> but no, but no, thank you for coming on. And if you would you like to give information out to people for social media and stuff? Or any shows you're coming up with? Um, well, I said my Instagram handle. That is probably the best place to find me right now. I don't currently have any shows coming up, but if I do, I will post on, on my Instagram. Okay. No problem. Well, everyone, that is Marisa Lynn. And you can go check her out on Mar E was I dash Suh dash Risa <laughs> on Instagram. Check it out. She's she's got some she's got a few things in there right now. Just some po- just some posts for you just to say hey and but she's but she's dog do you have a book coming out? You have your book coming out. What what about your book? Let's talk about your book for a second before before we get off the stage. Uh let's talk about your book for a second. How's how's that going right now? Uh, or, you know, actually tell them about it and then what's <laughs> going on. <laughs> yeah. Um so I use book in a very loose sense. Okay. Um, right now, I envision it as a collection titled Holy Chrysanthemum. Mm-hmm. Uh, Holy Chrysanthemum being one of the poems I read at the Sacramento Poetry Center. And um, it's also the literal translation of my Chinese name. Um, and so it's currently in progress. I don't have a timeline for that right now. Um, but hopefully, I'm hoping that it eventually will make it out in a book. And hopefully, it'll also be something that um, I will be able to read with a, read to other people and connect with people um, in a live format as well. Holy Chrysanthemum. Check it out, people. When she comes out, it'll be on that Instagram. I'm telling you. This <laughs> is Sharon Smith. That is Marisa. We'll see y'all later. Check it.